you're listening to the Late Night Football Show with your host, Rohit Singh. That's me. On this show, we talk about some of the most serious, least silly topics from the world of football for your entertainment and enjoyment. Please remember that the show is BYOL. Bring your own laughs, since we don't have the budget for a studio audience. Happy listening. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Late Night Football. First off, thank you to everyone who watched the first episode of this podcast and is watching this one too, as well as those who followed my channels and social media handles. I'm really glad to bring you this next episode, so let's get started. The football's back, sort of, in some cases. So, I don't know if I jinxed it, but immediately after the release of my last episode, news came out that Arsenal and West Ham players had returned to training and that the Premier League was planning a return to football in June. The entire process is titled Project Restart. Now, aside from the fact that the name sounds like a military operation straight from the movies, it is definitely a plan worth examining, which, with the help of a report from The Guardian, we will now do. So the idea of Project Restart is to restart the season starting June 13th. Beyond that, the idea is to play 92 games across 6 weeks, which sounds like a lot, but it is actually doable if it's only the domestic leagues, I'm assuming. I did the math on that, by the way. Now, to make it sound more appealing, it has been dubbed the Festival of Football. I have to say that the Premier League is definitely incompetent at a lot of things, but they're very good at coming up with ridiculously fancy names for the most straightforward of activities. Now, anyway, during this festival, players will be under isolation in their hotels for up to six weeks, which is the duration of the games, and they will follow a sterile route to the stadium and back, and there will be limits on the number of people that attend the games. Now, if all of this sounds too good to be true, that's because it is. Firstly, the idea of playing that many games so quickly works only if the domestic clubs and UFO competitions don't resume. And if the domestic leagues resume, not just in England, but also elsewhere in Europe, then you can be sure that UFO's own project restart will also be in motion, because there is no way they'll want to be left behind. Then you'd have to extend the season to get through that. Now, second, the estimate is that up to 2 million testing kits would be needed to get through the season. Now, it's likely that the number will be closer to 1.5 million, but that is still a huge number of kits required at a time when most of the general population don't have access to those kits. But not to fear, because the Premier League is privately investing in testing kits on its own, because why not? They have a lot of money to spend on such things. And they are confident that they can get the number of kits that are needed to test the players pre- and post-match. Just like they were also confident that their fit and proper person's ownership tests would work. Anyway, the third aspect is the venues. Now, even if the matches are played behind closed doors, fans will still gather outside the stadiums or in bars because celebrating a win or mourning a loss is more important than public health, apparently. So ultimately, the closed door system doesn't work. We've seen that. Now, somewhat sensibly, the league has decided that they will use neutral venues, preferably ones that are outside the city's urban limits, so that lesser people gather around the stadiums to watch the matches. These venues include St. George's Park, which is England's training setup, and a great idea for managers to scout some young English talent that they can then hold to fill their quotas for next season, or to use Premier League grounds like the Etihad Stadium, which is also a great choice because players are already used to playing in front of empty seats over there. In the latest report, however, Premier League clubs have said that they are worried about having matches because that could lead to large public gatherings and a resurgence in COVID-19 cases and ultimately the sport could be blamed. That's right, the part that they're worried about is that the sport would be blamed for something that it shouldn't do 
and not the resurgence of a deadly virus. Priorities, right? Anyway, we all know why this is happening. Uh, I mentioned last week in my podcast that the UK government misguidedly believes that the resumption of football will boost public morale. Now, I'm sure it will boost morale for half of the city of Liverpool, that's for sure, but the rest of the country might very well go in mourning. Anyway, the other side of this is TV. And it's no secret that almost all the Premier League clubs rely on TV money just to stay afloat season after season. And therefore, it's imperative for them to have matches so they can get that cash. Because at the end of the day, while we fans might banter and bicker about league titles and wins and losses, most of the football suits only care about bleeding their clubs dry. So it's no surprise that public health and safety, including players' safety, takes a backseat if it has to. But things are moving elsewhere too, outside of England. German teams had already begun training last month and were due to resume on May 9th. Now that has been delayed by a week by the German government. And at the same time, just this week, three players from the German club FC Con tested positive for COVID-19 in training. The training still went on, by the way, in case you were wondering, because it was only three players and there's still another 20 left who can play the game. The Spanish league was also supposed to resume on May 4th, but that was pushed back to May 11th after a Spanish government order. As of now, no return date has been set. La Liga's president, Javier Tebas, though, took matters into his own hands by openly saying that the league restarting is financially important, and hence club will be deducted points for not playing and players will be sanctioned for refusing to turn up. Now, Tebas obviously believes that diplomacy is a waste of time, although I'm not sure if Spain's labour laws would agree with him. Of course, if Spain is too dangerous to play La Liga matches in, they can always do what they had planned to do at the start of the season and move the games to the United States. Oh, wait. And finally, the Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, also wants football to resume in Brazil, despite the country becoming a hotspot for COVID-19 in South America. Now, instead of suggesting something stupid like football being important for public morale or doing it for money, Bolsonaro makes a very reasonable suggestion that footballers aren't at risk of contracting COVID-19 because they're athletes and are naturally fit. Yeah, please detect the sarcasm there. But we shouldn't be surprised because he also believes that Brazilians could dive in a pool of filth and dirt and still come out unscathed. You might wonder why he would reveal that particular image, but considering that most of his decisions are the equivalent of filth, it makes total sense. (laughs) Anyway, the club and players thankfully do not agree with him and have no plans to resume football in Brazil anytime soon, thankfully. And finally, the French league joined the Netherlands, Belgium and Scotland in ending their seasons early, but the current standings considered final. And since PSG used to win Liga even before the season starts, there's no reason to keep that suspense going anyway. However, Amiens and Lyon were upset at being relegated and missing out on European football next season and are planning legal action, proving that there is no simple solution to ending this season. There's no one-size-fits-all, folks. Anyway, we all know that you can't please everyone, so my advice is to just pay the damages and don't let Liverpool win the title. I mean, end the season. Now, in other big news for the week, UEFA unveiled plans for a revamped Champions League from 2024 regarding the qualification process for the tournament, because every three years, UEFA needs to change something to make the big clubs happy. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Champions League qualification is determined based on league placings from the previous season. In England, Spain and Italy, that means the top four teams in the season qualify for the Champions League the following season. Under the new rules, however, qualification for the tournament will be determined by UEFA's rankings, which takes into account historical performances in European competitions across four years. This means that if a team plays for all four seasons in Europe and does reasonably well, they can qualify at the expense of a team that finished third or fourth in their league but didn't play in Europe in that time. 
Effectively, this means that European competitions will become a closed shop for the teams that regularly qualify for these competitions. There will still be spots open for the league champions, Europa League champions and previous season semi-finalists though, because some concessions have to be made to make it look fair, right? Now I'm assuming that the name of the competition will also be changed from the Champions League to UEFA Historic League because that's basically what it is. Now to be fair to UEFA, these changes are actually coming from Europe's super clubs rather than from them. Andrea Agnelli, who is Juventus's president and the chairman of the European Clubs Association, has for a long time advocated these changes by suggesting that a club shouldn't be rewarded for having just one good domestic season and bigger clubs with more history shouldn't miss out despite being more consistent over four years. We all know this is lip service, because at the end of the day, Juventus versus Manchester United is far more lucrative than Juventus versus Sheffield United or Leicester, and that's what this is all about. Now what's interesting is that the key drivers of these changes are Italy, France and Spain, but the domestic leagues have been financially ruined because of poor management and one-sided competitions. I mean, who would have thought that people don't care about seeing Juventus and PSG win multiple titles in a row? Or, you know, they're bored of, of seeing Classicos being the title deciders every season. I mean, that is shocking, isn't it? <laughs> so therefore, these kinds of guaranteed money makers are necessary to keep the cash flowing. The Bundesliga also has a one-team monopoly on league titles, but because the fans haven't completely given up on the idea of a competitive league, they're not in favour of these rule changes. Yay, fans! And the other one is, of course, the Premier League, which has also rejected ideas for such a change because the top four race is a big draw on TV matches. And for all its flaws, the Premier League does have a legitimately competitive league, at least in terms of different league winners, if not in terms of title races every season. I mean, think about it, a match between Leicester and United will be a big draw this season because there's a top four spot on the line and a place in the Champions League. If that wasn't the case, it would just be another clash between two also-ran teams, like most league matches from the 80s and the 90s. And we don't want to go back there, right? Now, there is a conspiracy theory here as well that the changes to these tournaments will financially imbalance the Premier League because when the same teams qualify over and over, they'll have a financial advantage. That will eventually reduce competitiveness and reduce the size of the TV contracts and therefore bring the Premier League more in line financially with the other clubs across Europe. And at the end of the day, because Juventus may have won more league titles in the last 10 years than Manchester United, they have made significantly less money than them. And we all know what's more important when it comes to titles or money, for club suits anyway. Now, England having already Brexited from Europe, the Premier League can also plex it from UEFA if they have to, I suppose. I mean, the league already has a backup plan ready, you know, with Game 39 being played in Asia, that was talked about not that long ago. So they can do now Game 39, 40, 41, 42. They can play games in Asia, in the US. And Boris Johnson can negotiate the trade deals uh, with these countries, you know, saying that, okay, you know, Take some of our products, but also we'll, we'll also give you a few Premier League matches for free, you know, in your country, so you can benefit as well. <laughs> and now it's time for some transfer gossip. So United player Andres Pereira knows that his time is up at the club, and he did what many players do, and found another dream club to play for. Earlier this week, the player said that he would burst into tears if he got the chance to play for Brazilian club Santos because of what it means to his family. I, I'm not sure if it can get any more transparent than that, uh, but... Sure beats saying that I have been rejected by Man United and now I want to find another club to go to. So anyway, the Santos president responded by saying that they are connected on WhatsApp and he will definitely join the club one day. Now if I were Ole, I would ask to be connected on that WhatsApp chat as well and negotiate a transfer fee through WhatsApp. The new age transfer dealings. Sticking with Manchester United, Ed Woodward's plan to convince Jadon Sancho to sign for Manchester United 
isn't going to revolve around things like winning the league title, the Champions League, guaranteed playing time, or any of those pesky football matters. No, instead, he has reportedly told Sancho that they will build an international brand around him for Manchester United. I don't even know what that, that means, but at least it's sticking to what he knows best because building a brand and marketing is his specialty. Since footballing success is secondary at United these days anyway, the strategy is completely in line with the club policy and it's best to be transparent with the players anyway, you know. But hey, you know, you're not going to win trophies anytime soon, but guess what? We'll make sure that we'll build a brand around you and we all can make lots of money. And apparently Liverpool are hoping to beat Newcastle United to the signing of Khalidu Koulibaly. No, this isn't a mistake. Uh, Liverpool, the current best team in the world and uncrowned PL champions according to their fans, are hoping to beat current relegation strugglers slash mid-table candidates Newcastle to the signing of one of the best defenders in the world. Now I know Newcastle was a destination of choice for African players back in the early 2010s, but it's still a stretch to imagine that for a player who has a real ambition, that this would be a hard choice to make. But I guess that's what Saudi money can do for your club. Let's just hope that if Kudibali does sign for Newcastle United, he remembers the name of the club correctly. And finally, occasional Real Madrid player, part-time Welsh international, and full-time golfer, in that order, Gareth Bale has said he would love to move to the MLS because he knows his Real Madrid career is over. And after having played at every golf course in Spain, he wants to try out the golf courses over in the States. Because why not? Since no one cares about the MLS anyway, I'm sure he'll have even more free time on his hands to do so. I'm just kidding. Go Raptors! Alright, that's it for me for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and take care. Hey guys, thank you for listening to that episode on Late Night Football. Now please remember to do all the right things by clicking on the share, like, and subscribe buttons. And say all the right things by commenting on the show. Positive feedback is welcome, and negative feedback will be ignored. Ah, I'm just kidding. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Links can be found in the description to the show. Make sure to join me for the next one. Take care.